In case of emergency, the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We... Name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Ohana to the Disney Guys Uncensored. This is episode 76, recorded on August 30th, 2020. We're your hosts, Drew and Bob. On tonight's episode, we welcome Twisted Tales author Liz Braswell to the show. So come, journey with us as we ask the age-old Twisted Disney questions. What if Sleeping Beauty never woke up? What if Belle's mother cursed the beast? What if Ariel never defeated Ursula? What if... Wendy first traveled to Neverland with Captain Hook. What if Aladdin never found the lamp? And what if Wonderland was in Perel and Alice was very, very late? Let's uh, head over to a quick buzz tube. Hey, Gord! Gord! If I can just find Gord! Oh, there you are. All right, Ohana, this is your last chance to sign up for the Disney Nights Uncensored Fantasy Football League. Uh, we need to know this week. Let Bob know. Uh, send us an email. Let us know on our Facebook page. We have a, a bunch of guys already signed up, but we're looking for a few more. Um, let us know. Definitely let us know. It's going to be a ton of fun. Some some trash talking, some Disney names. Uh, it will be a lot of fun. Um, Bob, we have something we need to talk about. Because we last do. week we did a Disney Parts Fantasy Draft. Correct. Um, it was a lot of fun. We each kind of picked our own ideal best Disney park ever created and, and what it would look mm-hmm. like. Um, and I have a winner to announce, which which is a shot to announce. It's unbelievable, um, really. Tim, with Cinemagine, um, I mean, there's not much we really have to say. He's not here, so we don't have to really give him yeah, time to he, quote. No. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah. I will stand by, though, Drew. I was convinced that you were the better park, just so we're clear. <laughs> I appreciate that, but I I would have liked to visit it. Um, <laughs> uh, and then really quick, guys, the rest of BuzzTube, uh, we have been continuing to do our live Facebook pre-shows on the Ohana. We talk about a lot of news, ongoing stuff, rumors that's been going on with the parts and the Disney company. So, again, head over to our uh, Facebook page and, and watch that. We usually do it about 20 to 30 minutes before the episode every week. Um, and, again, the Ohana in Facebook is our main way to contact us and get, in, get involved in everything. Uh, Lastly, Patreon, we want to say a big shout-out and a big thank you for all of our Patreon supporters out there that, uh, you know, during this special time, you guys have been giving us uh, your hard-earned cash um, to, to really support us. It really helps us go a long way. And as always, anybody out there can be a, a big supporter of us for as little as $2 a month, and it gives you a little bit of extra perks and access to some other stuff that isn't open to the public. Um, and all that stuff, if you have questions, send us an email at DisneyGuysUncensored at gmail.com. But that's going to wrap up BuzzTube, and I'm super excited, Bob. Why don't you take us away in the topic of the week? Yes, as Andrew alluded to earlier, we have a very special guest on the show this week. 
She is Liz Braswell. She is our very special guest. I'm excited to have her here. I know Andrew, Jordana, and Tim also. Uh, Liz, thank you for joining us. We're very Hi. excited to have you here. Um, so, so Liz, just a little bit about you to kind of lay the, the groundwork for our listening audience that maybe they don't know who you are. Uh, we got some notes here. Uh, you are an Ivy League-educated video game producer. I mean, so, <laughs> sounds amazing um, <laughs> so that's how we're gonna start it um let's uh let, wait let's let's back up a little my major um it was in egyptology actually yes. it had nothing to do with video games i that's was just excellent. uh i was i was always going to be an egyptologist um mm-hmm. until until i realized there weren't really that many uh academic oh. jobs available in it but i'd been a computer hobbyist um my entire life um, programmed just for the fun of it and decide. And so I became a video game program, uh, producer after college. Yeah. So that's, that's incredible. I mean, Andrew's a big gamer. I, oh, yeah. I, I dabble in the games as well. Um, it, it, so, so you have Farscape, uh, to your, to your credits, you have, uh, dark and sky to your credits as well. There's yep. some other games in there. The, what's that like? Um, I mean, it was a, it was actually a different time than it is now. Um, it was amazing. Um, New York was uh, very big in the like the interactive and video game world uh, back in the the late nineties, and it was it was I mean it was amazing. It was so much. It was a lot of work. I'd pull like eighty hour work weeks towards the end of a product cycle, but um, you know you're making video games. It's fun, and uh, mm-hmm. some of the some of the products I worked on were um, also uh, based on Star Trek licenses, like Captain's Chair and um other things like that so i got to go visit the sets and hang out there and yeah, it was it was oh. it was a blast but um awesome. i was ready to move on to creating my own worlds so um, so that's an interesting segue so you go from egyptology to <laughs> to video games which again egyptology fantastic you were you were uh you went i can write your name in hieroglyphs to- Right, you, you yeah. graduated from Brown, right down the street from Andrew and myself. Yeah. Um, so, so clearly, you know, you, you're going that through that cycle of your life. You're into Egyptology. That's what you're going to do. You, you don't have the the necessary career path with that. I, I guess would be the, the the polite way of saying it. I mean, what do you, you know? And then you go I, video games. So well, it does seem like kind of a jump. It's a jump. <laughs> But not as big a jump because not only are you the video game producer, you are the Egyptologist because this is the first time I've ever spoken with an Egyptologist, so this is exciting for me. You also authored The Nine Lives of Chloe King, which actually was adapted to a television series on ABC Family, which is actually kind of quasi-owned by Disney, which inevitably we will get to the Disney portion of this Disney podcast. But So The Nine Lives of Chloe King... When you're writing that with that that book, and and there's coming to you saying, "Hey, we want to adapt this into a a series for ABC Family." What's that like? What's that phone call like for you? I couldn't believe it because actually, um, the book had been published for a couple of years before um, it happened, and I was like, oh. "I mean, you you feel like you're being punked? Like, what? 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 Really? Oh, I mean, cool. I mean, coolest thing right. ever. But it was." It was, I, I remember where I was being like, I'm going to have a TV show. Like, yeah, it's amazing. Like seeing my, you know, my name on the credits and everything. It was uh, something I didn't ever think would happen. So it was fantastic. 
so so just so we understand where we're coming from here, Egyptologist, video game producer, <laughs> and, and author uh, of a show that gets picked up and adapted by ABC Family. So you've already accomplished more than most people in your life. Let's be perfectly <laughs> honest here. You, you, wow. you clearly are playing chess while we're playing checkers, and that's cool. So then my you hand, hit us. My my handwriting is atrocious. If that, if that that's helps. all right. My, I can write hieroglyphs better than I can write like actual English letters. So, so, so then before we get to the Disney series of stuff, because I think that's what will focus most of the energy. I did want to get a chance in here to speak about stuffed, which to Aww. me, which to me, and this was something, uh, just for everyone understanding, this is pretty much a, a book, a, a novel type, a story that does confirm every kid's dream that stuffed animals do have a life and a purpose and that sometimes the most unconventional friendships are also the most valuable. I, I got to tell you, inspired work here. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Where do you come up with this type of, of concept? Because every one of us, and even to this day, I'm 36 and I, and I see my old stuffed animals in, in a bin downstairs and I almost feel bad that they're in a bin downstairs. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's exactly. This so, book is exactly about that, how uh, stuffed animals are real and monsters are real and your stuffed animals do really protect you from them. It comes out of the fact that like when I was, I was a kid, I, <laughs> I would very carefully line up my stuffed animals uh, to the left and right of me facing outwards with me in the middle so they could see the monsters when they came right um yeah so that's that's where that came out. and it, it actually just just it does have to do with disney because it's published by hyperion it disney is. hyperion so like it, it all it all it all comes so, together but yeah what is it, any, disney any chance <laughs> any chance that we can option that for like an animated series or something i think this has a lot of potential I cannot respond to that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> right Fair enough. All right. Good. I'm, <laughs> I'm excited. That's all I needed to know. So clearly an extensive resume to this point, but you did do some more things before we get to the Disney. You actually picked up a few awards along the way. And if I, um, you have the LA, the ALA quick picks for reluctant young readers for the book stolen and also for fall, for the fallen, which also was on the NYPL books for the team age uh, list as well. Which yep, those is, are Chloe King books. Yeah, spectacular stuff there. Um, so, so how many Chloe King books are there? There are three. Three. Okay, the, so that's the, the Fallen, the Stolen, and the other one, which I can't think of right now. It's <laughs> it's been a long day. We had two kids. We went to the beach. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, excellent. Oh, it's a great day for it up here. So, uh, but again, it, so seriously to this point, excellent stuff. You you clearly. Just so people understand where we're coming from tonight and, and while you're here, but why you are really here, most importantly for our show, is that you are, I don't want to say the author, one of the authors, I would say I'm the main. One of three. But, <laughs> yeah, but um, so, so you have taken a, 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 a mantle, as it were, and you have authored the, some of the Twisted Tales series, uh, which mm -hmm. Andrew alluded to earlier, that asks the what if Disney questions. Um, you do have a brand new book coming out this week, September 1st, which is on birthday, which does ask the question, what if Wonderland was in peril and Alice was very, very late? Liz, I, I got to tell you, I, I started reading uh, this past week. I, I was reading. You sent us a copy uh, digitally of on birthday. Thank you very much for that. It was um, to this point. It's an excellent read. Uh, but I will tell you, I am blown away at a whole new world by the way, if we can oh. just have a side note about a whole new world, because sure. I feel as if 
it seems especially poignant in these times, and it's almost eerily topical with what you see going on in the world. How I read it, I, I think a lot of these books, uh, from what I can tell, are probably open to interpretation of the reader, which is a great thing about written word, in my opinion. When I was reading it, and, and, I, and I'm not all the way through it, but between the street rat clan, <laughs> whatever they are, you know, whatever you can call them a clan or, or a gang, whatever they are. Okay, and, and they're against the, the powerful, you know, despot, and and the you know Jafar is this evil, more evil than he is in the movies that they've released. It's just I, I really thought that that book and that story resonated uh, to these current times of of unrest in this country. Let's call it what it is, and I don't know if that's necessarily in the back of your mind when you're writing these books, but. Do you take a, a Disney character like Aladdin that in and of itself is, is probably, um, uh, you know, a story that would resonate with a lot of different generations with the suffering of Aladdin as, as a poor boy and looking up and wanting to be with the princess? And are you able to kind of translate that to current times with a lot of these stories? Um, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, it's a multifaceted, uh, approach because, um, not only are we doing it like, oh, am I doing like a what if on a Disney thing, but also these are young adult books. So, um, in the case of, you know, a, a movie like, uh, Aladdin, um, we're kind of aging up the story, um, so that an, an older audience can get more out of it. So of course an older audience is, is going to want more out of it. And um, there's a lot of places to play with character development and um, maybe slipping in a message or two um, and wrapping in world events and stuff like that. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that is excellent. So, I, I mean, that's that's really cool, because like I said, when I was reading it and my wife was kind of reading it simultaneously and she was saying the same thing. She was, you know, this is actually one of those stories that you can almost pluck it and it would be, <laughs> you know, current times, too, which is which is really, I think, a testament to the writing and probably to the source material, too. I, you know, I mean, there, there's just it's a very rich source material when you're dealing with oh, Disney, yeah. which which I think comes to the first official question okay. that we may have on our list of what was the inspiration for the series and why Disney? Um, well, the first book I ever published was called snow and it was a retelling of the original fairy tale, snow white set in the 19th century with some sort of, um, some twists in it like the the uh the, the dwarves weren't dwarves they were like these half human half animal uh creatures products of kind of like a combination of steampunk magic and technology um so i've always been interested in taking traditional fairy tales or well-known urban tales and twisting them um so that's that's where that i've always been doing that uh with with stories um and as far as disney goes i mean uh, Disney uh, is one of the sort of the great creators of um, you know um, the modern mythology, and um, you know some some people might say, well, that's not exactly the story of the Little Mermaid, but mm -hmm. it's a story which has been adopted into the collective unconsciousness of uh, of, of our country and, and like a lot of the world. Like, for instance, in the original Little Mermaid. Um, I don't think they even mention what her hair color is. 
And now generally when you see a mermaid or the little mermaid, she has red hair or, or some version of red hair because Ariel had mm-hmm. red hair. Um, so when you want to do versions of fairy tales, uh, it only makes sense to like look at you know, one, of, one of the great uh, American distributors of mythology, which is Disney. No, that's, uh, that's a very that's a very fair point. Yep. Yeah. So, so Liz, I so you mentioned Snow, right? Now, if I understand correct, I think there's about nine Twisted Tales books out there in the series, with I think Unbirthday possibly being the tenth. Um, so, how how did the Twisted Tales turn from Snow into this this massive series now today? Um, you know, and I guess the the follow up question to that is is how did it become this multi author universe, and and how did Disney get involved? Well, I mean, um, I like twisted fairy tales, and they liked Chloe King, and uh, it was it was a it was a nice match. Um, my editor and I hooked up years ago when this first started, uh, Brittany, and we hit it off, and um, that that's where it all came from. Um, as far as the the other authors, there are a lot of lot of stories in the Disney universe, and. Um, I would have to be writing like all night and day for years to get to all of them. And it's nice to have different voices telling different stories. So yeah, it's great. And we, we, uh, we do hang out together. Like we, we go out <laughs> for drinks and stuff like that and, uh, That's gossip awesome. and talk about, um, what we're going to do next when we go to Disney world, that kind of thing. So, so, so mention Disney world. I mean, I'm assuming again, besides from the, you, you like the twisted tail aspect, you got to have some love of Disney deep down inside you, correct? Oh my goodness. When I was a kid, I, you know, what? I'm, this is almost sounds like embarrassing to say after you've mentioned all these other lovely things about me, but what I really <laughs> wanted to be when I was a kid was to be an animator for Disney. Um, uh, which is funny cool. because I cannot, I mentioned my handwriting is terrible. I can't draw. I can't draw at all at all but I would practice over and over again. And I I'd like Disney's uh, art of animation and yeah, no, I totally in love with, with the whole Disney thing. Um, I used to watch um, Snow White over and over again. Cause that was rotoscoped a lot of the animation there. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I remember, okay, this, I realized this makes me kind of old, but um, because the little mermaid came out in the years before the interwebs, um, I would save every like newspaper clipping that would like sit, talked about Eisner and like the whole new restructuring of Disney. Like I was so super excited for it. So yeah, super into Disney. Yes. That's awesome. And and, and so speaking of your love of animation, I have to compliment uh, your art design for all of your covers are absolutely fabulous. Um, Thank you. That is not posters. me, but that is the Disney did an amazing job. And I love the fact that it's the background on behind you guys. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, it's great. Like I said, I'd buy individual posters They're They're absolutely amazing. Um, um, graphics are there. So, so beautiful. So speaking of that, um, uh, of all these stories, what has by far been one of your favorite stories to reimagine? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, um, uh, well, um, it's, it's like, it's like picking a child, um, which <laughs> as I tell my kids is not a thing anyone does. Um, I, in some ways I really like, um, once upon a dream, um, because, uh, that was a book where I spent a lot of time on. Um, okay, so we talked about messages in books. Um, that Once Upon a Dream kind of uses 
uh, in which the twist is um, the prince kisses Aurora and he falls asleep. And it turns out uh, like within her sleep is Maleficent is still alive and controlling everyone in this, this, this horrible dream world. Um, and it, it's a metaphor for the sort of uh, depression that um, a certain kind of depression that teenage girls go through where it, it's not like the showy call for help time. It's called, it's like a, it's like monopolar where you just sort of sink into yourself and sink away. And, and so um, that was a really, a really interesting work thing for me to like work into a book and uh, interesting character development. Um, Unbirthday was just fantastic because it's Alice in Wonderland and that is a great movie and uh, it's a fun movie and it's a really psychedelic movie. And um, there's of course the literary history behind it. Um, Alice is a favorite of, of everyone, Disney and non-Disney fans alike. Um, and uh as old as time uh, was also cool because it's kind of like a murder mystery and I've never written a mystery before. And so that took super lots of extra work and research and trying to figure out how to write a mystery. And that was a, that was a really great growth experience for me. It's, it's really hard to choose. No, <laughs> I can't, I, but <laughs> I, I can imagine. And, and I just, even when you talked about, like you said, uh, you know, watching the movies and how, how great the movies are, and even the story you just told about Sleeping Beauty, which is which has such a hidden meaning, but also, you know, from the top looking down, you know, maybe some people don't see that, like you said in the young authors, trying to let people go back to that Aladdin reference. But um, so speaking of unbirthday, so since this is your newest one coming out in a few days, what is you know the process really from start to finish as far as this? I mean, when you go and you decide, I'm gonna my next twisted tale is Alice in Wonderland. You know, what's your prep work with that? Are you watching the movies again? Are you reading you know oh, the old yeah, books? No. You know, what are you? What's your built up? With with Alice, um, I read the books um, with my kids. Actually, that was fun. We made it into like oh. a family project, and then uh, <laughs> I watched the movie a bunch of times. I usually. I usually wind up over the course of a book watching, rewatching the movie at least seven or eight times, um, trying to get the, the feel of the way a character speaks, uh, looking for clues in the, um, the, the background, like, like little, little details I can include, um, which like, you know, a real fan might notice. Um, so once I've, once I've watched it once or twice and like read the book, then um, there's like this, this like gestational period where I, walk around with like a notebook or whatever or sometimes it looks like i'm napping but i'm not really i just have my eyes closed and i'm thinking really hard so at least that's what, I, what i tell my husband and kids um don't bother me <laughs> yeah exactly um and i just like like what is it's like i try to figure out what the what if is like what what would i what what interesting thing would i like to see happen um and once i have that hook like what if uh you remember at the end of the movie um alice in wonderland the the queen of hearts is throwing all those like not th she's like in a whirlwind of cards and alice is being mm -hmm. attacked and then she wakes up well, what if she was being attacked because the queen of hearts was that was the beginning of her taking over wonderland and alice wasn't supposed to leave she was supposed to stop the queen of hearts from doing mm -hmm. that so that that sort of became the what if and then um alice is tricky because i said like it, it has this literary history obviously along with the movie so proceeding from there i had to um just make sure alice sounded believable and parts of it were um his like well with all of them i have to make sure they're historically accurate actually um 
<laughs> you guys didn't mention this, but um, one of my <laughs> first jobs uh, for Disney was um, I wrote uh, um, The Adventures of Jack Sparrow, of Young Jack Sparrow. Uh, it was a mid-grade series, and uh, I know so much about, like, wow. literally Pirates in the Caribbean and the kinds of ships and, and guns that were used from back That's then. Awesome. Anyway, I do a lot of work to make sure um, everything's historically accurate. Uh, yeah, and then it's just writing for like nine months usually speaking of gestational (laughs) so it's funny that you you mentioned alice and how difficult it is to write not necessarily difficult but to write for a literary character because you have to be fair to the source material and then fair to the disney source material exactly exactly so for me when when i was reading it i'll be honest with you I, i got a sense that this was a little bit of a more mature Alice, if that makes sense. A little bit older. Yeah. Um, and and certainly, I'm going to tell you, so I'm a big fan, believe it or not, of the Little Women stories and, and the movies themselves. And I thought the new one was really well done. Oh, I, got, I got a whole lot of Joe out of Alice at the beginning of that book. The way that she wanted to be the photographer. Now I know it's, it's a tough correlation, but the way she was dealing, um, oh, the way Alice was saying. at the beginning uh, when she's at, you know, she's at the, the the lunch or brunch with her with her sister and her parents, and she's going to see the aunt, but she ends up uh, at Kensington Square. Maybe I'm not positive, but oh, I uh, hadn't thought of it that way. But you're yeah. right. There, she definitely so, is channeling a bit of Joe there. Just just in just in terms of how. She how the kind of how it's written and again and maybe it's your subconscious I'm not sure, but but when you get to stuff like that and again I think a lot of that is interpretation of the reader which is interesting I'm sure for you to hear a different take on it maybe than what you imagined so in your world do you ever get people fan mail uh, letters emails tweets saying hey, you screwed this up. This person shouldn't be like this. Or has yes. the reception been pretty good with those It's characters? been almost 100% positive, but I do get the occasional email like where I, I got something wrong. I'm trying to, like, well, I'm trying to, I can't think of anything off offhand. Some people didn't like what happened to the magic carpet in Aladdin, but that's less of a character <laughs> thing. So... Um, <laughs> I didn't appreciate it either because I was skimming <laughs> through, and I was like, "Well, that's one way of doing it, I guess." But uh, yeah, um, yeah, I got some, I got listen, some responses about that. These things, these decisions have to be made, and somebody's going to make them. Okay, which, which actually leads me to a follow-up: Has Disney ever rejected some of your concepts or ideas for for some of their characters, or are no. they fairly open with it? No, they're fairly open. Um, they they do let me go as far as I want, and pull me back occasionally to smooth things over Mm. um obviously even though these are young adult um it's disney so there aren't a lot of swear words and um not a lot of you know drinking or smoking or stuff like that uh not i the stuff i tend to write tends not to have a lot of that anyway so it's not not really a big deal i'm trying to think of anything um uh in uh straight on till morning Mm -hmm. I had uh, I had uh, a pirate. Um, I guess uh, he he tried to um, he tried to hurt Wendy, and we had to. Um, Disney suggested that I tone it down a little bit, and uh, I agree completely. It was even in the young adult book, it might have been a bit much. 
So, um, yeah, but on the, on most end, I've now been working with my editor for uh, six, seven books now. Um, and we are pretty symbolic. Like, I know ahead of time what she's going to be like, ah! <laughs> um, <laughs> but most of the time, um, they let me go. What, um, what would you say, Liz, is your most bizarre concept, if you don't mind sharing it, out of all the books? Like ones that got rejected or ones that got made? <laughs> Either one. I'll take one of each. Oh. Let's see. Um, hmm. I'm just going to give you the term flesh pillow. Nothing. There's absolutely nothing naughty. There's nothing, nothing um, n- nasty about it. Um, but that was rejected. I'll just let your your imagination fly with that one. Um, it was not meant sexually at all. But it was it was the term was rejected, which is absolutely okay. Um, um, strangest thing that galaxy. You know, I don't. I don't really. I think in, okay in some ways. Um, Straight on to morning. Uh, there's not a lot of Peter Pan in it, actually, um, which a lot of fans like um, because it's more about Tinkerbell and Wendy's relationship. Um, and some people, you know, are like, oh, wow, like, you know, actually, it's really cool to do the story. Kind of weird that there's not a lot of Peter Pan in a book about Peter Pan. So I don't know if that answers your question, but. Yeah, no, ab- abs- absolutely. Um, Bob, you have any other follow up questions to those? Well, no, I just know, looking, and I, I think the one, if you could recommend a place to start on this series, because they're, necess- they're not sequel to one another, they're independent stories of their own. Not one of yours, if I was going to go to one of the other author's books, and I don't want to get you in trouble, so just yeah, give us a couple, like- <laughs> couple of the other ones that uh, you might recommend us to start at. And then a couple of yours that you would say in terms of accessibility for the young reader. And that seems to be your wheelhouse. But if there was a, a young 12, 13 year old that really wanted to get into this and they didn't know where to start, would you I start would with. I yep. for one of the other authors, um, no disrespect to Jen Catalina because her stuff is great too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Reflections, which is the twisted tale of Mulan by mm-hmm. uh, Elizabeth Lim, just because the live action movie is coming out soon. That would be a great place to start for um, that one of mine. And for mine, I would say, um, uh, either as old as time. I think old as time would be a good place to start actually. Yeah. And that's the that's the Beauty and the Beast. And yes, the, yeah, exactly. If Bell's mother enchanted was, Beast Castle. Exactly. So, I admittedly I've ne- I haven't opened that book. I haven't read it yet. Um, I, I'm going to get to it. I, I do promise you that because Beauty and the Beast does hold a very special place in in my heart of Disney storytelling, and I, I just think it's one of the most complete animated movies they've ever released. Um, there's always been a question about Belle's mother. Where is she? Yeah. It's interesting that you pull her in and I'm assuming kind of make her a fairly significant piece of the puzzle. Yes, she is. She is a very, yeah, she's, I mean, she winds up being the sorceress who originally cast the spell on the prince and turned him into the beast. And uh, we've talked about why Maurice is living by himself today and how that happens. Um, by the way, uh, that movie um my my Disney mania. Um, it was one of the first 
Disney movies to have any CGI in it at all, which is the ballroom scene. Mm-hmm. And um, to celebrate it, they did a sneak preview of it at the Rhode Island School of Design at RISD. Oh, RISD. And um, my boyfriend's dad had a uh, uh, his, was an alum there, so I got to go see it. Like it was just That's it was amazing. I was like, talking about just being a huge Disney fan. I was like, yeah. it was so cool. Yeah, that <laughs> is awesome. That, that scene still to today holds as one of the the, the oh. coolest scenes. Even like when you watch it on Blu-ray or even Disney Plus, it's just absolutely it's impressive. Incredible. It's impressive, I, it and it doesn't look quite as old as like some of the other CGI stuff you see no. now. Right. So I think that movie, better than a lot of them, holds up. And it's just from it the op- the opening scene where you see Beast Castle and you're coming through the forest and into the provincial town. That movie holds up animation-wise. It really, really yes, does. It really does. Yeah. I mean, I think we can all agree that Beauty and the Beast is a masterpiece. So I yeah, don't know it that is. it's uh, no so, question. That's interesting. So not to put the cart before the horse, because we do want to talk a little more about Unbirthday, and sure. I don't even know if you can go into what could come next for you. But is there another stuffed book on the way? Is there another Chloe King story you need to tell? Is there so, another? Okay, so there is a stuffed two called Into Darkness, uh, which is coming out in the spring, um, which is about how our main character, Foon, who is a stuffed animal, has to travel into the world of monsters to help rescue his boy. So that's coming out from uh-huh. Disney Hyperion in the spring. And there is a twisted tale coming out after Unbirthday, which I can't talk to you about, unfortunately. Hey, that's uh, fair. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. But uh, it is it is a fan favorite. That's all I can really say. Um, and the Chloe King thing is, is on hold for a while. Mm, um, yeah. I've My agent and I have been talking about what to do, but there's a lot going on. With, with Disney. <laughs> so, right. All I will say, if it's not regarded the Black Cauldron in some way, oh, maybe you could add that to your backlog <laughs> for me. <laughs> or if you could just write a short treatment for Andrew and the his the Black Cauldron. Thing. You'd be very excited about the wait horn king getting so wait 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 so you you're you're a big fan of the black cauldron love the big black cauldron loves really it. interesting yeah. you know what okay. it was it, it the short the short story of it is is it was one of the first books i read as a young adult oh my uh, god i love the book of three oh yeah kid. um and i recently reread them all and um I think it was it introduced me why I love the Lord of the Rings today. It was kind of yeah. like the building for me. Um, but yeah, big Black Cauldron fan. Uh, cool. So the big question, as many people have always wondered, you know, what is it like and how is it working for Disney? Um, it's been great. Um, I, I I get a lot of I get a lot of like side eye from the haters who are like, what's it really like? And I'm like, it's really great. It's guys, it's great. It's great. They're nice people. They're progressive people. They pay me nicely. Um, <laughs> I get certain. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about those benefits involving Disneyland and Brule, which I can't. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it. Um, it's fantastic. I love my editor. Um, we're like friends outside of work. Um, it's it's great. I've had nothing to complain about. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm sure everyone listening is a little bit jealous, as, as everyone loves um, would would love the magic of working with Disney and seeing behind that. But so, on birthday comes out in a short couple days, September first, two thousand and twenty. Um, are there any like sneak peeks or 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 treatments or trailers that you want to talk about or, or trying to tell the listeners on why they should go pick up on birthday? Um, 
Yeah, it's funny. I've I've, I've talked to a few people who've read it already, and there's there's de- among Disney fans like Alice in the Wonderland. It's pretty divisive. Either you love it or you hate it. Um, so I will say that if you liked um, Alice in Wonderland, you will definitely need to pick up this book. Um, and uh, it gives you a chance to sort of have a nostalgic visit with all your old friends. Um, you know, the Cheshire Cat and the Hatter and um, revisit aspects of the, of the, uh, the Mad Tea Party. Um, and trying to think if there's like a like something i can i can sort of throw out as like a reason to read it um it's just what what about the mad hatter i mean everybody loves the mad hatter i'm assuming all these 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 famous characters made to come back right and in a unique way that you love telling they do um yes personally okay my my (laughs) favorite page and i i come firmly in cheek i I love the warning you put at the beginning of the book Thank you. <laughs> it's 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 such a little thing, but if you know Alice in Wonderland and you study what Hatters were and what the Ten and Six and why Mercury, incredible and just that attention to detail for Aww. me would be a reason to pick the book up. To be honest, is thank you. It's it's the little things because we all know Alice. We all we all know the Queen of Hearts. We we all know the characters. If you know Alice in Wonderland, you know the characters. But it's the little things where I wouldn't even think to put the Mercury warning in the front of the book. It's brilliant. <laughs> I, I just I, I said I to myself, well, it's so so like just just to explain um, to people who are listening, one of the things that I would I was gonna gonna say as a sneak peek is um, the poor Hatter has had a lot of the nonsense knocked out of him by all the terrible things that have happened in Wonderland. Um, and at one point he, um, and a lot of the, a lot of the book, Alice is like trying to get him to be his old hatter self again. And he, he sort of, as he becomes less nonsensical, he looks more like a normal man. Like he, he sort of grows in height and his head shrinks and whatever. And then at one point to keep himself, uh, full of nonsense and insane, he adds a tiny drop of mercury to his tea. And, um, as you were saying, it was a well-known thing that one of the reasons there was the Mad Hatter was because people who made hats worked with mercury and were driven insane because it's a poison and it damages your brain. And so I put a warning at the beginning of the book, not that I think anyone would actually do this, but that <laughs> mercury will kill you. Um, but I did it like in the sort of in the tone of Lewis Carroll, uh, but like a dear reader. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. Um, so it is interesting you mentioned how the Hatter kind of yeah, loses his smile. Let's say that he loses yeah. his smile, loses his madness. And I think in the Tim Burton live actions, mm-hmm. I feel like there's there's undertones of that with Depp's Mad Hatter a little bit. In terms of the, he kind of loses it a little bit, not quite all the way. He does that weird futter whack and dance at the end and everything, so he doesn't completely lose it. But do you take inspiration from live action films as well? Or do you kind of try to keep those separate? Um, Besides live actions, there's like a lot of versions of Alice everywhere. Right. And look, the the, the Johnny Depp Mad Hatter wasn't supposed to be sexualized at all, but it's Johnny Depp. And I I wanted to avoid that because that has been done there and and Mm -hmm. multiple other places. So in in my book... um, the Mad Hatter is more of an avuncular, uh, like an older, 
totally platonic mm-hmm. male friend. Um, so, uh, yeah, I did watch, uh, again, cause obviously I've watched them a billion times and I own the, uh, the, the Burton, um, Alice and, um, tried not to take, I wanted to do something that wouldn't, I, I watched it less to take inspiration than to make sure that like, I didn't copy anything or, right. you know, whatever, come yep. close to it. No, and, that, and that's one of those things. And I think the problem, I don't necessarily know the problem for you. I think the problem for, for readers and, and general people is that they get so, overwhelmed with their own ideas of how characters should be for you for you to say which goes back to the whole has anyone ever you know emailed you telling you you completely trashed a character you may find out with on birthday you may have upset some people i don't know (laughs) i am um (laughs) i would not be surprised (laughs) i i basically tried to keep all the characters right within Mm -hmm. nostalgia and you being a Disney fan and obviously us having a Disney podcast, we're, we're notoriously fickle people as Disney yeah. fans. So yeah. it, it's, um, it's gotta be, you gotta straddle that line. And, and like I said, for everything I've read in Unbirthday and everything I've read in a whole new world, uh, you've straddled the line uh, brilliantly in a lot of ways. Aww, so I, 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 my hat, my hat's off yes. to you. I, I think yeah. the, uh, the books are excellent reads. So, thank you. Uh, yeah, but I do things, address that yeah. actually in an intro to, um, is it part of your world? Uh, I can't remember if it, it if it wound up being part of the book, but I talk about how um, uh, well, a question I get asked often is, do you feel any pressure uh, doing a version of these classic beloved movies? Um, and uh, it was the hardest with part of your world, actually, because uh, Little Mermaid is, is so big. And I talk about how everyone has their own interpretation of the little mermaid and what they would do and how they would act and what Ariel would do in their version. And, um, I, I get it. And I absolutely respect everyone's ideas of like what they want to do in their own world. And that these are just my, my ideas. They're not like, you don't have to, Alice doesn't have to be this way for you. You can have Alice however you want, but this is just one way of looking at the Disney characters. And I think that's the best way that you can do it. So, I mean, that's really, because like you said, you're never going to please everyone with your choices and and with the words you you kind of weave through. So, but to me, as a lifelong Disney fan, again, I think you've done a great job. And I know Andrew has has felt that it feels the same way. We've talked about it offline. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. Kind of yeah, no, thank you so much. And again, everybody, this is Liz Braswell. Her birth uh, on birthday book comes out <laughs> September 1st. Um, but Liz, we want to say thank you so much for joining us. You're now officially part of the Disney Guys Uncensored Ohana. Um, as, as all you guys are, is always welcomed here. But I want to just kind of turn it over to you for a little spotlight. Spend as little or as much time as you want. And, and this is what we, we tell our guests to, you know, be proud, gloat about yourself, tell the world, you know. Uh, where can they find you? Where can they buy their books? You know, where can they follow you on social media if that's your thing? But um, just a little bit of, of, of just spotlight for yourself to shine. Okay. Um, you can reach me. Um, the best way to, to, if you have a question or something, is actually to reach me through email, which is me, M-E, at LizBraswell.com, L-I-Z-B-R-A-S-W-E-L-L.com. Um, I tend to, I publish to Twitter, but I tend not to uh, spend as much time reading comments on Twitter as I do um, my email or on Instagram. So those, my Instagram is Liz Braswell. Um, so those are the two best places to reach me. Um, my books are available everywhere. Um, 
in this day and age, it's nice to spend your money at a local bookstore. Um, but if you can't do that, uh, Amazon has them. Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. Um, everywhere books are sold. Um, what else can I say? And I'll caveat on that. Your books are very reasonably priced. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I think On Birthday comes out as a brand new book, I think is what, around 15 But even some of the older really? ones you can find um, around $10 or so at Target and whatnot. But um, Yeah, absolutely. oh, and Costco uh, did a bundle last Christmas that had like a notebook in it, too. It was like three of the books with a notebook, which was oh, nice. Very yeah. cool, very cool. So we want to, um, again, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute blast. It's glad to have a little, almost like a local on the show, we kind of feel like. Yeah, it's uh-huh. nice, nice, to, nice to hang with you guys. Absolutely. So again, Liz Braswell, uh, make sure you, everyone picks up her unbirthday book coming out this Tuesday, September 1st. Um, and before we wrap up the show, uh, Bob has a little bit of a random house of mouse for us. Trailblazer, Boundary Breaker, Mr. Dynamite, Prince and King, Mr. Civil Rights. These were some of the roles we knew Chadwick Boseman from. In his portrayals of the iconic revolutionaries, Jackie Robinson, James Brown, Thurgood Marshall, and T'Challa, amongst others, Boseman set an unachievably high bar of thespian excellence. He was a beacon of hope in every way imaginable, and at some point in the not-too-distant past, Chadwick became a cultural hero. He was a virtuoso performer, straddling the line of actor and true artist like few before him. For when these history books are written, he will not be remembered as this generation's so-and-so. He will be revered for being this generation's Chadwick Boseman, a measuring stick for future generations of artists and actors alike. What makes all of this harder to comprehend is that through the last four years of his life, Bozeman was battling stage 3 colon cancer, which eventually progressed to stage 4. Through it all, he never stopped working, he never stopped living, and he never stopped thriving. As equally impressive as his vaunted filmography is the fact that he was an equally outstanding man in person. His smile was contagious, and he was by all accounts a generous and sincere human being. He gave his passion for life freely. He was truly bigger than anything we saw on the screen, as he inspired a generation of African-American youths that they could be truly anything. A Supreme Court justice, a musical icon, or even the King of Wakanda. His greatest gift was one that partnered desire and greatness with a sense of humbleness. The Howard-educated Bozeman was a gentle soul, a brilliant artist, and one that possessed immeasurable talents and infinite humility. As a final anecdote of his greatness and character, Chadwick got very emotional when speaking about trading letters with children with terminal cancer on the press tour of Black Panther. According to the parents and the children's letters, the two boys were holding on to see Black Panther in theaters. He was humbled by this thought, equating it to waiting to Christmas as a child. Never selfless, he never let the world see his personal struggles, only worried about those two boys who needed something to hold on to. Chadwick Boseman passed away this past weekend. He was 43. 
Strong is not the word. 